Hello, hello, hello. I'm Makai, your podcast guy, and today we'll be talking about one of my favorite topics, hospitals. You know, for some people, horrific dens filled with infestations and viruses, but I'll let you know they're very clean, nice, and not at all mean. Today, I have a very special, special guest. It's my aunt, um, Natalie Pacheco Lockridge. Please say hello. Hello. Now, would you like to tell all the wonderful people what your occupation is? Yes, I am a pediatric nurse at Stanford Children's Hospital. I practice with children uh, in the neurology, neurosurgical, ortho department, which often means trauma, as well as uh, children that have either acute or chronic respiratory illnesses. Wow, okay, so I didn't understand half those words, but I assume it's very, very complicated. What's it like working in that kind of a field? It can be very stressful. Um, I always say that the highs are as equal as the lows. So it can be as fulfilling and happy as it can be challenging and stressful and heartbreaking. Um... Yeah, but I I love it. It's a very fulfilling job. Oh, interesting, interesting. I mean, just from a, like, basically working and living in a hospital perspective, what's your views on it, just being in a hospital so much? Nothing like Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Um, I am, I I work 12-hour shifts, so it does feel like I live in a hospital. Usually I'm there for about 13 hours. We have shift work, so it's... 7 p.m. till about 7.30 or 8 a.m. I am the night shift. I am the vampire. And it's very, it could be very fast-paced. The word that we never want to hear on, we call it the floor, is quiet. When someone says, oh, it's quiet tonight. Um, You know, no kids are screaming or there's no crazy action or, you know, there's no emergency things that are happening. Um, That's the word you don't want to hear, because as soon as someone says, oh, it's quiet, then all hell breaks loose. Um, But it can be very fun, especially with the pediatric population. Uh, Very rewarding. And then, you know, you you work with a lot of, it's a lot of interdisciplinary work. We work with respiratory therapists. We work with surgeons. Um, I guess it can kind of be like Grey's Anatomy, because there's doctors that are learning there so we're learning with the doctors or we're also teaching doctors um but it's a fun it could be a very fun environment interesting interesting i mean just from going to the medical field and then being a nurse so just out of your own opinion what would you prefer because i have a lot of people in high school that listen to this like going medically wise would you you know prefer going like doctor for specializing or like nurse if you're thinking of just general medical kind of a field well, what's great about the medical field is there, as nurses, I'm sure as doctors as well, they call us forever learners. You are literally learning all the time. And every year you are also required to complete 30 years of continuing education, or 30 years, 30 hours of continuing education hours. So you're always learning going to conferences. Um, I obviously prefer taking the nurse career. Um, it's, it's less school, <laughs> less debt. So I, I think that's great. And then you can always go, you know, from a, um, 
an AA in nursing to a bachelor's of science in nursing to a master's to a doctorate. You know, you could be at bedside, which is what I do, or you could also be a nurse scientist and you research everything, or you could be more in the public health field, which my first degree is in, and you can prevent things from happening. So right now I work on the sick side. When a kid is sick, they're in the hospital. I see them where there's another aspect where you could be in the prevention the prevention field where you're going to go do wellness checks at kids houses or with their mothers or with uh, hospice care elderly you know end of life beginning of life there's so much to do so that's um that's definitely something that I like because I get bored really easily I can never do a nine to five although there is a nine to five desk job kind of nursing gig you can do there's teaching there's instructors there's didactics but I get too bored for that I need to go 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 I love interacting with people I love joking around with people so that's why I like that side right now but then you know in three years I might be in a completely different field doctors they're they're in school for a long 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 time Alrighty. it's a lot okay. longer yeah now I mean it's just it's really interesting the different routes and stuff you can take with you know the medical field just in general i mean you have people who go into nursing and then just hearing what you're talking about now like nursing is so many fields you can go into pediatric nursing care neurology like you're you're doing it all you know like there's a lot of things that you can do and then even with doctors as well like what do you like you can be a chiropractor i don't know like that's a doctor right that's a type of doctor i think um and then just not even that not even like health like you you're talking about public health you know defense stuff like that and preventing it as well as just science and scientists so you can really expand and grow in this kind of a field i mean it's ever-changing how does technology like play into a part of your daily life oh technology is huge uh the hospital i work at we've been there for two going on two years now and uh it's in the middle of silicon valley so you know google is down the street youtube's down the street everything they're high tech everything um technology plays a huge part uh whether it's x-ray coming at bedside you know doing a chest x-ray to make sure a kid doesn't have pneumonia um whether actually we're using a lot of VR for kids if they're getting procedures done at bedside and they are very anxious and very scared instead of using a lot of medicines to calm them down which can be very scary in very small children what we'll try to do is use non-pharmacological roots so what we do is we put VR on them and they're either playing a game or watching a movie and then they're completely distracted from getting say an IV put in their arm so it plays a part in in that Um, other kiddos if we have a hard time putting that IV in their arm then we'll literally have kind of like a ultrasound the same it's the same science that would look at a baby in their stomach it looks uh, into the veins in their arm and they literally just see the vein to see where to stick the needle at bedside oh wow mm-hmm. so you can just like have that you know definite direction and like technology just seems to be so so useful i mean especially in a medical field i mean we look at it today and we're using like iphones androids whatever phone i mean whatever nokia i mean you can even use a flip phone and just that technology at your fingertips helps you with knowledge but then just think of it in a medical field super super useful you know helping kids calm down and like 
pharmacological ways and that kind of a thing is really interesting and just a hospital environment i feel has changed a lot since i don't know just thinking back in past history wise i mean you look at what black plague we'll go to the black plague that's a good one fun one good good time you know that one rat that took out like a third of europe um but that i mean a lot of their medicine just didn't exist back then i mean you didn't have any the technologies that we had today you didn't have a, like you didn't even have electricity really back then but you had people who were plague doctors people would be like you know i'm gonna put on this crow mask i'm gonna walk from house to house with a you know box of i don't know heroin or cocaine and be like i'm a doctor it's just how it is i mean wild west you look back in the, that day when you know wild west was going rootin' tootin' cowboys and you just see them walking around like i can prescribe you whatever i want because nobody can tell me otherwise but we have things nowadays where that's just it's so to the point it is so helpful we have we're not inventing the wheel we are just reimagining and upgrading it which i think is really really interesting do you have any advice um for those who are scared of hospitals like to better i don't know humanize it or make them feel better about it i feel like hospitals uh themselves are are really helping with that fear by doing that um our hospital especially being a pediatric hospital there's toys everywhere there's games everywhere i mean not really toys because infection control um but there's a lot of color and there's things on the wall for the kids to draw on there's uh little statues of animals everywhere so it's very interactive and very bright and friendly um so in terms of that i think as as far as pediatrics it makes it a little less sterile it makes it more fun um as far as having a fear, I don't know. I've always been the type of person that you have to just figure out a way to get over your fear. Honestly, this will surprise you. I ha- used to have a huge fear of needles and I used to hate hospitals, but I knew that I wanted to be a nurse and I wanted to help people. And that's because at some point I was a pediatric patient. So I knew that I wanted to help people feel better. So I got over it. I went to my blood drive when I was in high school. I gave blood. It didn't hurt at all. I was crying immensely. The nurse said, oh my God, did I hurt you? And I was like, no, 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 I'm just getting over fear. Um, hospitals, I think I think that it can be scary if it's linked with um, a bad experience, of course. Uh, and it can be scary because hospitals, there needs to be a lot of privacy. So there's a lot of closed doors. And with that, you know, sometimes the unknown can be scary because you're kind of wondering what's going on. Or if you look into a room, you just kind of see a patient in a bed and you're sad. Um, but I feel like the it's the people that work there and the hospital environment itself that makes it less scary. Alrighty, okay. I mean, it's just useful to know, I feel, that hospitals, they're there for you, you know? Like, they're not there to hurt you, they're there to do the exact opposite. And it's very interesting how they are taking those into precautions today. I mean, you look at pediatric hospitals, and you have people who are helping, who are putting color in there, putting toys, putting things to help those kids. I mean, even if you have a fear of needles, like I do myself, and Natalie had herself, and now she's a nurse. So, I mean, like, that's entirely, you can change. You can overcome that. Needles aren't too bad, no matter how many of the horror stories you've seen. And then, going with the topic of health, how do you personally, 
personally just deal with your health i mean you have a 13 hour work schedule not including commute i assume and how do you just stay on top of that especially with that kind of night owl you know behavior so a huge topic now in healthcare is the term resilience because as nurses and as doctors as healthcare practitioners you're going in and you might be seeing the darkest moments of people's lives definitely of kids lives you know they're they're very scared um, their parents are also very scared so I always say I have at least two patients in one room because I got to make sure mom's not gonna pass out from seeing the blood that's being taken out of the kids arms yada 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 but um, we often will carry that burden and then go to the next patient's room and you can't show that you were in something also very heavy in this other room. So a lot of times you have to really take care of yourself to be resilient, to bounce back because you're carrying all that hurt and sadness around, right? Stress. Um, how I stay healthy, self-care. Self-care is very important. Um, I would say I, I exercise, I make sure to exercise, I make sure to get as much sleep as possible, um, especially in between my shifts. Sometimes that's only six hours, but as long as it's six solid hours, it is what it is. Um, music, as you know in our family, is a huge thing. Um, I often listen to music, I'm singing, whether I'm happy or I'm sad. Uh, I try to listen to music with my patients. Art therapy is a huge thing for myself, for my patients. Pet therapy, as you know. Dogs, furry things. <laughs> Meditation. I try to meditate three to five times a week. Um, journaling. Things that are free, right? Things that you have to remember that whatever hardships you're going through, you have things at your fingertips. Yeah, I feel that you make a lot of really interesting points with like just being able to help others. A lot of it is being able to help yourself first and understanding that you can't just take on that weight and carry that burden, but letting it go, especially in a kind of hospital setting, you know, where you're dealing with a bunch of different patients and a bunch of different people. And I feel like that really relates to social life. I mean, if you are dealing with another person's problems, you don't need to bring that into another conversation. You know, it's very, very important to be able to separate and have that resilience. And then with just stress management, you're talking about a lot of free things that you can do. I mean, meditation, yoga, I mean, just breathing in general, really, really useful stuff. You know, stress can be dealt with in so many different ways. Like you can find catharsis in a lot of things. I mean, you said music. I mean, our family, for those of you who don't know, very, very musical people. I mean, uh, Natalie was actually in chamber choir when she was younger in uh, high school and that was a big thing I mean didn't you tell me uh, a while ago you went to a trip to where we I had the honor to go to Quebec and Montreal when I was in chamber choir and we just kind of toured through all the beautiful cathedrals and sang and it was it was an awesome experience so yes from one choir nerd to another 13 years yeah it's interesting interesting i mean you can just take a lot of those kinds of energies and use them to deal with your stress i mean especially with health so how do you personally deal with your physical health just in general when dealing with a lot of this kind of scheduling stuff sleep 
you gotta sleep for a while in life and I think also going through my own studies sometimes you think that you have to get everything done and um, nursing school was crazy hard and you know I see all the kids now I work with a lot of kids your age or you know younger older there's a lot of stress right there's um, a lot of pressure and way more AP classes than I think were around when I was in high school um, so there's all this time that you need to study but really you can't study and take care of yourself if you don't sleep so your physical health number one is you got to sleep seven to eight hours for sure um, not too much caffeine <laughs> Uh, there's a fine line between what's helpful and what's hurtful. And exercise. Exercise is huge. I try to exercise four to five times a week, whether that's cardio or weightlifting, something, uh, being out and about. Um, and a huge thing that I think people don't realize that affects your physical health is your mental health. So mentally, you know, if you're um, still at a crazy stressed level, your physical, it's going to manifest somewhere in your physical body, whether that's um, tightness in your back or headaches or nausea or insomnia. Um, I think that's, that's, it's huge. It's, it's a lot bigger than people care to think. So taking care of your mental health and of course, you know, doing the eating well, exercising, exercising, sleeping well, and, um, yeah, diet. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, again, just things that are very, very key. I mean, my generation, especially people my age, stress is such a key thing. I mean, in Washington state, they actually just either, I mean, in our county or just in Washington state, they just put a new law in and I'm watching this anxiety video. 60 minute long video on Tuesday this upcoming Tuesday and that's taking up a class period because it's such an important and prevalent thing in people my age as well as teachers teachers actually had to take a seminar I think recently um, on anxiety and I think it's very very interesting on how that plays into a role in our mental health because a lot more of uh, teenagers issues come from their mental health rather than physical um and I feel like things are very, very, are very, very malleable and changing um, to that a lot more nowadays. Because you're seeing, you're seeing a lot more anxiety seminars. You're seeing a lot more stuff going for sleep deprivation. So sleep deprivation is a very, very interesting thing I'd like to talk about. You've heard for for many years not many but you know at least for the past five years you can look back just look it up on google i know if you're listening to this on any kind of mobile device you could you have google or safari if you're weird and you can look up sleep deprivation in high schoolers or sleep schedules or school start times. school start times is a very key word because we look at um schools and their start times you can see at i i have to start school at 7 40 in the morning 7 40 in the morning that may not seem too crazy for a lot of high schoolers or even adults who've been to school but let me tell you it's freaking early it is so early especially for somebody my age i mean you can look at scientific studies and stuff like that melatonin in kids 
Um, I mean, my circadian rhythm, my body is really not fixed to wake up this early. You know, uh, teenagers are really just not built for that. I mean, then you look at kids. My little brother, Tan, he gets up. He can wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He can wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. He can go to sleep at 5 p.m. He can go to sleep at 6 p.m. I can't do that. I can't, you know, function like that. And that's just from age. What do you know about that, Natalie? If you'd like to chime in. Actually, it's really interesting because I think about last week I saw that they're either passing or in the works of passing a bill in California that high school is not allowed to be started before 8 a.m. 8 a.m. is the earliest because there are have been many, many articles and a lot of studies that have proven that it is, um, I think it's like 9 or 10 a.m., is when the brain really starts to wake up, especially, like you said, in in adolescence. Um, And the lack of sleep and then the the pressure, that just kind of interplays into the mental health issues. It's kind of one of those things that has become brought to attention more so, I think, because unfortunately the second highest... what What am I trying to say? The second highest cause of death in the ages of like 15 to 24 or so is suicide. And suicide is going to come from anxiety, going to come from poor mental health, um, no one to talk to, no coping mechanisms, no coping skills, a lot of pressure, lack of sleep as well. So it's a it's a very interesting and very important topic a lot of a lot of people you know that whole idea of like sleep when you're dead that's not funny um it you need sleep (laughs) it's you you really really need sleep it's very important for your health very important for your mental and physical health i mean it's true just go to sleep like it's very very important to get that as a part of you i mean it's something that humans need i mean you need food you need water and you need to sleep it's how you um put you know memories and store them in your brain you know commit your long-term memory you need to do that in rem and you only get to rem when you're seven to eight hours in so very important for your memory for your mental health because if you're not sleeping it's a very very important uh, it's a very big enhancer to a lot of i don't know mental health it can cause a lot of strain that sleep deprivation you'll not totally be there and not being there is very bad for you academically as well as socially as well as physically because if you're not in that right state of mind then it's gonna be very very hard to work out or do anything very physical so just health in general be on top of it be keyed in on it um just switching gears over from mental health to more physical for a second um in america we are very very privy to our sugars and very very privy to um you know things that are not so great for us so i'm just saying about dietary things about um you know the kind of foods that are very okay for us to eat and stuff like that i mean you talked about dieting a little bit you just said that about your uh, stress coping kind of a thing and the way you do with your health how do you diet so i hate the word diet <laughs> i absolutely hate it i think uh, once people say i'm on a diet it it's just it's a whole lot of no like no you can't have this no you can't do that and then 
I don't know if a lot of people are like this, but I am. If you tell me no, no, no a lot, then one day I'm going to be like, yep, I want it all. So I like to say I like to have a healthier lifestyle. I know it's easier when you're talking about uh, physical health. You just say, you know, have a proper diet. Essentially, yes, that is the message. But I like to say just have a healthy lifestyle. Just choose healthier foods. Uh, when you look at your plate, there should be a lot of color and not because there's ketchup and mustard on there. Like there should actually be a beautiful array of fruit and vegetables and not too many carbs. Um, thanks to our culture, we love rice and fried things, but we have to stay far away from them. <laughs> so, you know, I just have a modified diet. Every so often have some sweets. Yes, you know, you're human, but just make sure that you mostly are eating plant-based it's very important there's a lot of protein in plant-based foods i'm not saying that i don't eat meat because i do but i think that i've uh had moments in my life where i've mostly ate plant-based or i didn't really eat many meats or i didn't eat much dairy and you really feel a physical difference you feel um like you have a lot more clarity so i think that that's the easiest way to explain it is just look at your plate make sure there's lots of colors make sure you have all your vegetables for the day some fruit you know give yourself treats but try not to go overboard i mean that's just definitely very important but uh things to note i mean we're in high school you know well not we necessarily i mean I'm not sitting next to a high schooler right now and some of you may not be in high school but some of you are just like me yeah so if you're in high school i mean that's kind of harder to do you know you look at the school food and you're like Bleh. i mean i've seen it before like we have little bento box things that are just bland stale vegetables with the best part the orange chicken or the meat that's there and then bland stale rice and then you also have i don't know pizza that's sold at our school i mean you see a kid and he's like oh i'm gonna get lunch and it's a pizza and a milk and that's it that's your lunch i mean it's you know it's meh i mean after you know michelle obama did that whole health initiative thing you know really good good on her good heart but it did nothing um for some places you know, for some places they're eating very healthy. I mean, you, we'll look at school food. School food is very, very fun to look at because it is crappy. Um, you can look at prison food. Prison food. Now that, when you look at that in movies, it looks like mush. It looks like oatmeal. That's all you're eating. Well, I'll tell you that you are sorely mistaken. Prison food has actually been rated and seen as better than a lot of American school food. So, yeah, you're eating worse than prisoners. Yes, convicted felons, people who have murdered that thing that sucks but that's that and that's just america i mean you can look at you know france or belgium and they have way better food i mean i'll look at images online and my mouth will be watering because it's like dang they got like a full course meal for their just normal lunch it's just what they do because they have a lot of color on their plate they have a lot of this they have a lot of that because they have a healthier lifestyle i mean just looking nationally comparing um lifespans if you look at this up online i think italy has one of the longest lifespans um just on average because they're very laid back people you know in the sense that they have a lot of different and more vacation hours and work and stuff like that and they don't have um a lot of those political tensions that we have here or just normal tensions just in general so you know italy good on you for being happy amazing spaghetti 
eating people, you know, doing a good job. But that, I mean, just culturally, it's a we have a bit of a stre- more stressful environment, and dealing with that is very, very important. And especially with Italians being happy people, and that's what I'd like to t- transition into next is happiness. Now, that's very, very hard to say, but I mean, if you want a scientific way to put it, happiness is a drug. Um, weird to say coming out of my mouth but happiness is a drug called dopamine as well as serotonin and they are neurotransmitters within your brain which are released over your uh, something something i don't know uh, psychology terms stuff like that and they you know release and it's a drug that makes you feel good and it's interesting because that's just how happiness works happiness is a chemical and that's how you feel emotions and stuff like that that's how you know depression exists you don't have enough dopamine you don't have enough serotonin and the funny thing is is you can find happiness in so many places and i just have a quick question for you what are the things that give you happiness hmm it's actually a, you know it's a easier answer than you would think some people i think especially when you're younger they you think that happiness is going to be something that is materialistic i'll be happy when i'm in this place in my life i'll be happy if i have this thing this object but uh happiness comes for me in the simplest forms but it also depends on your perspective uh i have an hour commute without traffic to work I love my drive. It's beautiful. You can find happiness in your surroundings, um, in the beach that you're driving by, on the in the beautiful colors of the trees. Um, happiness is in a good song. Happiness is in family time, in great conversations, simple conversations. Happiness is in um, the eyes or the smile of your child or your fur child for me. So. Happiness is in those simple things, um, definitely for me. So in, a, in, in the most simplest of times, that's where I find happiness. Family, food, and music. Alrighty, mm-hmm. cool. I mean, just what you're talking about, it's very, very interesting. I mean, you have a lot of different types of happiness. I mean, this is some leadership lingo for those of you who don't know, but a lot of people commonly believe there are three levels of happiness you have those materialistic things which are very fleeting very short and then you have things that are less materialistic but more goal-oriented like oh i've completed something or oh i've beat someone in a race or that kind of thing in comparison kind of happiness and then there's that third level which is very very amazing is happiness for others it's happiness in helping others and doing things for others and i feel like that's something that people should strive for because being able to do good and making that feel good is good mm-hmm. which is good and you can do a lot with that that kind of energy that you can create for yourself you can volunteer you can enjoy life a lot more it'll be a lot more fulfilling when you hit that level i mean it's gonna be harder for some people some people are like man her you know helping other people is work it is being a good person is work a lot of work comes in doing good but when you do good the world comes right back around i mean i personally believe in i don't know karma good or bad i mean you know it's whatever karma is cool you know it's when you do good good things happen you do bad bad things happen and it's just how it is i mean you may not believe in karma but it just 
kind of happens just in socially you know if you're nice to people they'll be nice back golden rule treat others the way you want to be treated is the kind of thing you know i go for and then finding happiness in all things around you just enjoy the fact that you're here you can do it i believe in you you got it i mean if you're in high school school may be hard you know people might be stupid well people are stupid but they're good people if you're working keep working hard it's gonna pay off one day i mean as long as you're either enjoying what you're doing or going and building up to do something that you enjoy then that's always good you know finding that motivation and finding that drive can really help you find happiness and then just motivation motivation is a really really key thing in life i mean look at just a lot of different things that you can do you can do almost anything you set your mind to you hear that a lot and i mean it's kind of a stupid saying but if i want to fly i can go in a plane boom done if i want to go to the bottom of the ocean i can go in a submarine boom done if i want to be good at something i can practice boom done you know you can do a lot of things and it takes motivation. There's a lot of different kinds of motivations. Um, back to some good old psychology terms, there is intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. And it's very, very key in the two differences. So intrinsic motivation is motivation that come from inside. Wow, fun, intrinsic, guess, you guessed it, it's good. Um, but it's basically when you are personally motivated by something, not by outside forces like money or just someone telling you to do it, but just because you feel like it, like, oh, I wanna go listen to music just because I want to. That's good, it's fun, good for you. And then there's extrinsic stuff, external, outside, yep, you guessed it. And it's stuff like money or to do things because somebody else told you. And it's good to find a right balance of those, you know, good to find a right um, balance of different kinds of motivations because you don't want all of your stuff to be just personal, like, oh, I'm just doing this because I want to do it. There's uh, other good motivations like getting money to survive and buy things you need and stuff like that. And that's really an interesting thing comes up is over overcompensating uh, for motivations. You may think that, um, having so much like the most motivation you can get for something is really really good that is not true technically I mean if you're a high schooler like me and say you need to de-stress um, you may not have known this but doing dishes actually helps you de-stress the calming water the one-on-one -on -one you can have with those dishes is really good and it puts you in a contemplative state but sometimes they'll be like I need to de-stress need to have a good time and I'm going to do the dishes and then you go and you go oh, i'm gonna walk over and do them and then a parent or guardian tells you hey go do the dishes your motivation will change it is a psychological fact that if you are going to be willing to do something then somebody tells you to do it you'll be less likely to want to do it it's just how it is it's that overcompensating if you're having too much motivation for something you can remove that intrinsic aspect of it if you overflow it with extrinsic stuff so your joy from it can be changed to a need to do it or have to do it so it's very important to find that kind of motivation in yourself and understanding that things need to be done as well as things you want to be done can be done and then you know scheduling get it all done right and good but now just a little bit of tangent on motivation just going back to happiness be happy live long have a good time there are um there's a theory about two types of people 
there's an A type and a B type and uh, by a couple weird old psychologists which are super famous but I can't remember their names and the A type is you know explosive has you know very very strong emotions in the sense of like anger or rage can you know you know just very outward facing outgoing you know very very live um you know short fuse kind of people and then there's b type people calm and outgoing so it's just think of like i don't know a hurricane versus you know a calm pond um and it's actually shown that type a kind of people have been linked with um heart issues cardiac arrest and stuff like that being mad all the time is not good for your health it has been scientifically proven and it's shown so what are your thoughts on that natalie thinking of anger and your mental health affecting your physical health i mean uh it's a great point that you bring up because just like i said earlier i think you you would ask me about uh how i take care of my physical health a lot of people think that you just go work out and then your physical health is taken care of and that's great but mental health is as you see a huge factor so um when you think about it, our anxiety, or our stress, or our anger, back when we were just surviving and we were cavemen, you know, we needed this um, hormone, this thing called cortisol, um, epinephrine, adrenaline, uh, to run through our body in order to get us away from being eaten. So that's the purpose of it, to, to fight or flight, to get us to go. But now when you are stressed or angry, you still have that same hormone, that same reaction that's going on in your body. And you're still carrying that in your body. So when you're carrying all that anger and that stress and that anxiety, it's like you're constantly running from a lion. And your body doesn't know any difference that you're angry about something stupid that someone said that really you shouldn't have overreacted to. Or it just thinks that you're probably running from a lion. So that's why all these people are having more uh, cancer, cardiac issues, um, dementia. It's stress and anger and uh, poor mental health or a lack of taking care of your mental health is very much linked to um, more chronic issues. Definitely. I mean, I just, I totally agree. I'm at, I, you know, mental health be good bad mental health make physical health bad to put it simple and i mean i'm not just saying be happy all the time that's not what this is for feel your emotions you know but don't overreact is all i'm saying so say someone made a bad comment to you you can feel that negative emotion i'm not saying bottle it up you know put a little message in it put a cork in it send it into the ocean and never see it again but you know feel it you know but don't drown in it you know you can dip your toes in but don't stick your face in and just leave it there you know it's important to understand that emotions are okay i mean you can look at you know societal standards today you will just take men i mean not to be sexist or anything but people say men don't tend to feel emotions that they are forced to hide it and you know this masculine side be a man you know you have that kind of a thing and 
it's all right to feel emotions men are people too i mean everyone's a person i psychology like psychologically you can look at it right so we're gonna look at brains i know weird disgusting gross little you know pink things in our head but the thing is is that um men and women's brains are actually in fact just physically different so the in women the center for emotions and that kind of thing is actually larger than that of men's whereas men's have a larger spatial awareness side of it so that's why you know dudes usually pack the stuff really well because they have better spatial awareness for like packing cars stuff like that that's what i'm talking about whereas women can feel emotions a lot more can that empathy is more tied to them and it's just that's a very interesting thing and that's just part of it that's why you people think women are just so emotional and men are so just rock hard sturdy you know no brain kind of thing you know ooga booga you know and that's just you know for their you know masculinity but it's okay to break that i mean you have you know gender norms but people feel emotion that's just a thing that you have to do to live life you can't just sit there and then not let anything in being an iron gate to everything that's thrown your way is not good because you can't let anything in if you're not letting anything in i mean you're protecting yourself from the bad but you're warding off the good too you know you got to take the good with the bad roll with the punches and we'll be okay i mean the world's not nice it's not bad but it's not nice you know you can sit you can walk around and you can see people who are i don't know if you're a girl cat call you or shout at you across the street and then you can also run into some nice old lady that says oh you look pretty today and um you know i love your dress or um i hope you have a wonderful day so saying staying home and stopping the social interactions is stopping the good and the bad it's just that kind of a thing you gotta let things in and i don't know i feel like i'm rambling at this point but important to be happy as to not get cancer or cardiac arrest um and as well as let yourself feel emotions and just thinking about that happiness is very 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 important for all of those above and just taking all that in mind um, I'd like to finish it off and just thank the wonderful Natalie Pacheco Lockridge for stopping by. I had a good time talking about all things from, you know, hospitals to happiness. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm-hmm.